Because they're a little tough to deal with. Dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jared tough. Harvin, what's up? My Long Island kid, co-host of the Long Days podcast, and very funny comedian, yes, man. Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate you, dog. That show was great that we did. Oh, yeah, that was great. Ted Jones Comedy Show about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. It was a yeah, great time, yeah, man. Yeah, the stand, very welcoming, great people. Your family pulled up, right? Yes, dude. Yeah, I can sense it. I and they loved it. you, bro. Oh, they did it? I did. My sister said you were the funniest. Yeah, did you give her my number? She said, she said besides me, though, brother. Uh, so I should okay. be giving her my number. Just yeah, kidding. That's weird. You're that, listening right mean, now, If you're Katie, from Alabama, it's amazing. appropriate. Yes, dude. So you are from Long Island. Took you a little bit to get in here, but I'm familiar with that Long Island traffic. Mm-hmm. I used to play tennis, like a bunch of tennis tournaments in Long Island, Glen Cove, Port Washington, yeah. all over there. So I knew that like anytime I had a tennis tournament, I needed to leave at least 45 minutes for like extra traffic. Yeah, dog. Space. Yeah, dog. You played tennis? Yeah, man. I played tennis at UConn. Oh. So I was pretty serious for a I little mean, bit. You, I thought you, I was going to be pro. Yeah, you got swimmer vibes. I don't get the yeah? tennis vibes. Yeah. Really? Yeah, you, I get like people would say I have uh, tennis vibes. I've never gotten swimmer vibes. Tennis. My dad was the captain of the NYU swim team. Though. Ah. Dad, shout it out. That's mm-hmm. the first time shout I said out, that on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's either tennis vibes, swim vibes, or serial killer vibes. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I mean, you got, you got a lot. It's the glasses, you, the nice quaff. You got too much energy. It has to go someplace. Place, you know, dude, you're a Scorpio. Yes, I am. Okay, cool. Me too. Nice. What? What? I think that's why we get along well. November thirteenth. November tenth. Okay, close. Yeah, close. So, what's been up, man? What's been going on in the life of Jer- Jared Harvin? Oh man, it's been it's been crazy. Um, uh, I'm living by myself now. It's been like within the last six months. My mom moved out. She's like at my grandmother's house now because my grandmother's in a nursing home. So I'm just like walking around the house just butt-ass naked living free right now. Let's go. Yeah. Your neighbors can't see in? No, they can't see it. No, I hope I hope not. Dude, that's like the beauty of this trash pit over here. I have that window open all the time. That's the only fresh air I can get because the windows in the front don't open. Yeah, that's that's a, that's actually a window to the outside? Yeah, well, to the trash pit. Though. Oh, so the, it's like oh. the, the actual fresh air is probably 50 okay, feet okay. up. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's like a window Gotham to the City outside. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, it's nice. It's just like, you know, this learning responsibilities and like being by myself, learning bills. It's great. It's great. I can't ask for anything more, you know? You're not still on the family phone bill plan? No, no, no. Oh, dude, I am. That's I'm like a blessing I still have. Uh, it's just, I think it's because you get five people, so I might as well be on that plan. Yeah. And then I'm still using some some of my family members, Hulu, my ex-girlfriend's Amazon account. Oh, yeah. yeah, you got to milk that shit. But just because I don't bro. know freaking passwords. No, you got to ration that shit, dog. It's like <laughs> the fucking Great Depression. You got to long yeah, that man. shit as much as you for can. Do you also do you see Netflix is trying out a new program where they would have ads, but it would cost less for people. So it's not $10 a month. Mm-hmm. I think they're trying a new program where it's going to cost like $6 a month, but they yeah. build in the ads into your viewing. Yeah, exactly. The program is called Hulu's kicking our ass right now. Yeah, dude. Yeah. What's up with that? Yeah, I don't know, man. I think streaming platforms, like it, it's in, but you know, YouTube on the rise with like free streaming. Everybody can get whenever they want at, at any time. And when it's free, you know, you got to You got to compete. You got to come up with new ideas. You know, revenue streams going down. Uh, that quarterly was down, I think. I think there was a report. That it was I, crazy. Yeah, they, they lost a lot of subscri- subscribers and shit like that. So whatever you got to do, bro, to make it work, you got to make it work. So you know? let's talk about uh, free streaming because you have a very successful podcast with Giannis Papas yes. on YouTube. And you guys also have a Patreon. So yes. how do you kind of deal with which content you're going to put where? Uh, so basically anything that can get us in trouble goes on Patreon. Okay. <laughs> you know? I got a strike the other day, man, by the way. On it was, YouTube? It was terrible. On YouTube and on TikTok. What, for what? So like, I put a stick up of saying being addicted to weed or saying being addicted and we put a picture of like a guy smoking a crack pipe but Uh instagram loved it yeah it's like you never really know who's gonna like what yeah so you gotta throw it up on all the platforms but Uh you're saying anything like that 
Should have just put it on the freaking Patreon. Just go on Patreon. Anything that's free. Like, we're not on the Patreon. We're not, like, outright offensive. If anything that comes to mind that's free, like, if the joke comes to mind and it happens to be offensive, it goes on Patreon. But on YouTube, you know, we have a little bit more of a of a point-based thing. So if we have something to say, we're going to say it. We'll get it out there. And then Patreon, we can get a little silly. You know? That's what it's about. So how did you and Giannis initially meet? So initially, it was after uh, after he ended his last podcast, History Hyenas. He would go live for this podcast, Long Days. So he would go live on Instagram every Wednesday. I had off on Wednesday. You know, I was a fan of history, Ienus and whatnot. So I would watch, I would watch, I would watch, and he would, the comment session was called Comment Roulette. So basically during the show, uh, he would look down at the live at a random moment in time, and whoever had a, a comment at the time, he would read that out. So what I would do is I would comment funny comments over amount of time, see if he can read it. And I was kind of like dedicated to it. So I would post something and he would read it on the show. So he read one and he really loved it. And after an amount of times, I kept, I was con- consistent. I kept on commenting. I kept on commenting. And like everybody in the group was like, yo, this kid is funny. And I was like, yo, bro, like, you know, pull me in this, this and that. He, he found out I was a comic and this, this and that. So he's like, yo, we'll pull you in for an interview episode. I came in, we rocked it. We had great chemistry. And then afterwards, uh, I was in the group chat and I was like, yo, you're coming up in Baltimore. Let me tour with you. Let me open up for you. He's like, yeah, let's do that. So we went to Magoobies in Baltimore. I opened up for him. He brought me in for another interview episode. And then he brought me on for the solo news episodes as like a side correspondent. And now we do the pod together. I'm on there permanently. We do the Patreon together. It's flourishing. And yeah, so it's it's a great thing of what the internet can do for you. Dope, dude. Amazing. So this happened during the pandemic or like a little bit more recently? Yeah. It was uh, probably within the last year, like last year. This really started to go down. Yeah, I'm coming up on a year. So it's a great thing of what the internet can do for you. Did he pin your comments on like that chat roulette situation or like how were you, how nah, were you consistently there? I was consistently there because he would go live for it. Now, you know, Wednesdays usually around five. I would, I would uh, you know, track it, but I would just keep on commenting and just blitzing. So if he was talking about something, I remember one comment, it was uh, about Aquafina, and she was talking about how a lot of people come down on her because they, she feels like she has a black voice, even though she's from Queens and she's Asian and shit like that. And I had a comment, I was like, you can't copy the Asians, you can't copy the blacks, but when it comes to homework, you can copy the Asians because it's vice versa. <laughs> and like, yeah, he, yeah he, he loved that comment. So like, it would, just, it would just become a thing where I would just drop funny comments and then I DM'd him, I was like, yo, these are my my sketches that I do with my friends Talent Harris and Julio Diaz like we should create something he was like ah oh, you're a comic that makes sense we should really do something and over over the amount of time you know it just started to build up and then you know once we hit Magoobies and once we had that chemistry it was over so now that's yeah. cool man so for those of you listening you guys know that there is a way to slide into the DMs and yeah. also provide value for the yeah, person you, who you're sliding into you know you, you don't want to always be like look what I can do look what I can do you're like look what we can do you can't just be slinging dick pics you gotta yeah. be like what can <laughs> you can a little bit but not yeah. Not initially. Yeah, yeah. You got You got to have consent first. Let's do that. <laughs> but the internet has a great. It's a great lot of responsibilities. A great lot of opportunities that you can do. So, like, yeah, I pursued him. It was kind of like a reverse pedophile situation. But uh, nice. we we did it. We and we got it done. So yeah, we're here now. Where did you grow up in Long Island, and how did you make the transition to coming into New York? So many a nights for comedy. So I grew up in Amityville, New York. Exit, um, what's that? Exit 50 something? That's ex- LAE? Exit 49 on LAE. Ooh, damn. Yeah, yeah you're close. You're real okay, close. close. I feel like you were stalking me. It's a little scary to see that. <laughs> well, dude, yeah. I, my ex girlfriend actually went to, or grew up in Dix Hills. Okay. So that's like 50 or 50. Dog, either so you're a stalker it, or you got a memory like an elephant. Yeah, dude, just either way, man. Shit. Or I do my freaking research on this guy. Yeah. How could I not? Yeah, yeah. You do your research. Um, 
Yeah, so I grew up there. Um, Amityville is known for Amityville Horror House, where all the murders happened back then. Obviously, oh, that was the actual location. Yeah, yeah, that's that's more in the the white part of the town, though. So I'm okay. not going over there, regardless. Yeah, um, I might be from there. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You got you got that look. <laughs> uh, but either way, I wasn't going over there because you know black people die first in all the horror films, and the police could oh, be like, you Yo, know, what, what are you I doing first there? learned that in Scary Movie, in like Scary Movie Two, mm-hmm. like Marlon Wayans, I think, was making a big deal out of it. Yeah. Scary Movie Two, by the way, aged so well. That was like one of his best performances. One in my yeah, opinion. yeah, one of his best performances. White Chicks was also amazing. He's a great he's actor. He's a great ap- actor, but when it comes to stand up, it's a little different. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. A little different when it comes to stand up. That happens. I mean, that's like a Nick Cannon situation. I mean, but he's been in the limelight longer than a Marlon Wayans. Yeah, yeah, it is like a Nick Cannon situation, but I mean, he's spending all this time having kids, so how good at comedy can you really be? Ten kids. Yes. Impressive. Yes, that's as many specials as Kevin Hart has, so you know, you, you, can, <laughs> you can understand you where, where you're, yeah, yeah, he has a lot. You can understand where your your uh, dedication goes and where your time goes. It's all about consistency with comedy, you know that, you know, the more you do it, the better you are at it, or, you know, it's whoever you sleep with, so. Yeah? Yeah. Well, that happens too. So yeah. talk about your high school experience and then coming to New York City. You play high school sports at all yeah i did a shot put track and field i was kind of chunky i was fat i was, I was really little, yeah i don't see you being fat no what yeah, yeah well, you t- were how t- many t- pounds did you lose tell that to my doctor uh <laughs> i was i was probably i was a little shorter so i was like five seven i was probably like maybe like 195 200 oh, wow yeah so i was i was a little chunky so you must have lost like what 40 pounds ish yeah it's a mixture of diet and puberty so i lost 40 pounds you know I had to drop that weight. Uh, it's similar to the the luggage that a Marine has to carry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I dropped I dropped that weight going into college. You know, I really started to slim down. But uh, yeah, in high school, I did track and field. Wasn't really like the the cool kid in high school, but I was like cool with everybody. But you know what they say: if you friends with everybody, you really don't have no friends. Right, sure. Um, but like I was I was cool with the the goths, the jocks, whatnot. I was like, overall that funny kid, class clown. Um, and growing up in my school which I think this is kind of like a, a key thing with all comics. You have to be most great comics or like great comedy minds. They exist in a world that is a complete parallel to theirs. Like they, they understand how things should be, but they understand how things are. So like, you know, with Donald Glover, as an example with Atlanta, he grew up in a very suburban part of Atlanta, you know, Stone Mountain, but his show depicts like the very hood side of Atlanta. So with that, he understands how life is for him how it like kind of should be or how it how it can be and also what it actually is with the with the uh, parallel with the hood so with me i grew up in a predominantly like white school so like all the white kids ironically were doing black things to stay uh, popular so it was like you know saying nigga uh wearing no way yeah, wearing true religion jeans uh but long island also doesn't have the greatest reputation like some of them are pretty some of the towns are pretty racist yeah, just from like the get-go yeah yeah the, some of the towns they have roots in the confederate olympics let's yes, just say that yes um but it was more that thing like you could see like the cool kids the cool white kids were taken from like the culture on which I grew up in and that kind of forced the black kids and the Latino kids to kind of double down on their ghettoness to kind of confirm that they actually you know really they're have about it. it yeah they're about that and invalidates their their blackness or their latinoness whatever so you know I would go to school kids will be fighting you know maybe like threatening to bring guns to school with knives and then we get on the bus and they're playing Pokemon it's like dude you're not about that Those life. Are white kids you know no, they're, they're black kids because they they try to they try to like double down on their ghetto ness. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I'll fuck him up, this, this, and that, I'll fuck him up. Yo, I'll trade you for this Charizard real quick. You wanna... <laughs> so it's like it's like that type of um development coming up in the school, I think it really helps with a comic because you get to see like you get to see how both worlds are and also you get to develop your material by kind of like bridging those both worlds. So that was kind of like my high school experience. Um 
coming up then and you know i obviously have my friends from high school now throughout track and like you know throughout kindergarten i have some close friends in my life now but that's a reflection of how i grew up and how that kind of really helped me and then um after after high school i knew i didn't want to sit behind a desk i wanted to be like yo, i want to be an international business i want to be a businessman this this and that but uh throughout that time in senior year i was on vine um i would do snapchat stories so i would tell a story through snapchat my friend jair he would do like funny stories on snapchat i was like i, I like that maybe i'll bite down on that and i started like telling funny stories and I had themes for different stories each and every night and that was kind of like my first form of stand-up um and then afterwards when instagram came out with 15 second videos i was doing that and that was right around the time that i was going to graduate i was going to graduate high school and go to college so i went to oneonta upstate uh, and I didn't know what I was going to do, but I didn't, I didn't want to sit behind the desk. So then I joined, uh, the theater club. I was a theater major there, um, started acting, never acted before in my life, but got my first role. And ever since then, you know, I was just, I was just on it. Um, and when I got to Oneonta, they had a comedy club that they just started on campus and it was, you know, it was improv kids or kids that, you know, that were kind of quirky and didn't know really how to say it or kids that didn't know how to bathe. <laughs> and, um, they, they would do it like improv, they do stand up and we would host shows, we'd host events for other clubs. And we actually won best new club on the campus the first year that I got there. Would you have comics, comics from like New York city come in though? No, yeah, just kids. Yeah. So not, not, it was kids from the campus, but, uh, later on in my college career, I signed up to be an activities council. So we would go to NACA and we would see, a, we would see performers and we would see co- comedians. NACA? So NACA is like the kind of basically when colleges want to book, uh, book anything for their, for their activities. Like if you have an event at your college, they'll go to NACA. So they'll like outsource for performers. So NACA, if you don't know, you probably make a lot of money on, on that tour. Cause kids, you got, you got great energy. Um, comedians could, yeah, yeah. Yeah, comedians you look like you just won the, the PGA tour but that uh, <laughs> comedians really there's, a, there's like a college tour and comedians can sign up to be NACA and it's basically a convention you go you perform kids in the college go see you and they can book you from that um, and it's other people too you have magicians you have etc if you perform yeah okay. but uh, I signed up to be activities council at Oneonta and I would go to NACA and that was dope because I got to meet some really great people and me and my friend Austin we would like we were writing partners up there we did in the laugh club together we knew who to book because like we were actually comedians and we would you know go out there so we booked tests like Matthew Broussard um, you know a, a Comedy Central very funny comic and he, he would bring up Ashton Womack who now writes for The Daily Show we would talk with these guys like guys like Oscar Colazos uh, uh, who else um, Tommy Ryman uh uh, my man Francisco Ramos, uh, Anthony Chico Bean from All and Out came. We had Schultz come. The Stefano came. There's a lot of people that came that we got to chop it up with and meet uh, then. And now I'm out in the scene now, like doing shows, and I see these same people, and it's great because you know we have the connections. Like, oh man, it's good to see you, bro. Like this, this, and that, and, and whatnot. But uh, yeah, so when I got to college, I really started to embrace like that entertainment flow, the entertainment journey. Um, and it really just started there. And ever since then, I was doing it throughout college. When I come back home, I do bringer shows at like Broadway and rest in peace to uh, Dangerfields. Oh, man. And um, yeah. And ever since I graduated three years ago and the pandemic hit and, you know, throughout that process, you've been hitting it, trying to hit it as much as you can. You know, do you feel like you started to really become serious once you became Head of like the activity can- council is that what it's called? Sorry, no, yeah, activities. I was secretary, okay. so yeah, I wasn't the big dog, but you know, I was out there. Yeah, I, I had the sleeping the, with the big dog. Yeah, yeah, I was <laughs> in the back of the Greyhound when we went to all those <laughs> activities. Um, but no, like it was just like something in my mind. It's like you know, if you want to really be good at something, you got to be around it twenty four seven. You got to really immerse yourself in that world. And I was like, you know, if I'm seeing all these people, uh, if I'm meeting all these people, it can only benefit me in the long run. Um, so just doing all those things and like. Uh, 
I really felt I really felt I had something throughout college because a lot of people would tell me like, "Yo, you're good," you know. But like being an Oneonta school upstate, people telling you that you're funny, it's, it's not that. Right. It's, yeah, it's like being the most bulkest goldfish like, in the fish yeah, tank. Yeah, the smartest kid in first grade. Yeah, so yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like uh, being the whitest guy at a Alabama concert, <laughs> Alabama, Alabama Shakes Alabama concert. concert. Yeah. Um. So. Doing all that, it was just like, yo, just keep on this track. Try to get better. Try to get better. You know, people tell you that you got something. They confirm something with you. All right, let's hone this. Let's really sharpen this whole thing. So um, I never really felt like, you know, validated, but like I always felt like this is something that I wanted to do and I love it. And you keep on getting better and better. And, you know, the universe or God or whatever, whatever you believe in, it'll let you know that you're doing good. So was the transition from graduating to starting stand up in New York city full time, like right away, or do you spend some time at home? Well, not not right away because the pandemic hit, it punched us right in the stomach. So when did you graduate? I graduated in, uh, 2019. Yeah. June of 2019 got down there, started to do some settling, was doing like some job searching. I was doing like Uber a little bit, just, just to like make money during the day job searching. But then when that, when January of 2020 came, it was like, Wow, I remember the day I was in Grizzly Pear, uh, which is probably not the best place to be when the virus breaks out. Um, <laughs> um, and I was watching, I was watching the TV, and I saw Rudy Gobert, the Jazz, the forward for the Jazz, center for the Jazz, touching everything, touching all the mics. And I was like, you know, I know these French don't know much about consent, but guy, keep your hands to yourself. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and ever since then, I saw it. I was like, uh, this don't really feel good. And next day, boom, everything hit. Everything was closed down, borders on walls, and everything like that. So throughout that time, I was like. I was doing stand up. I wasn't getting that much time because not a lot of people knew me. I have a young face, so no one's going to really trust me. Um, so it's like, yo, let's go back to basics. Let's make videos. Let's make content. So, okay. So that was kind of your mindset. You're yeah. Like, all right, let's bring it to the yeah. internet. Any way forward, bro. Any way forward. Were like, you doing Zoom shows at that time? No, too? I never did. Never did Zoom shows. I was kind of like, you know, I wasn't really doing that many shows, but I was kind of like, you know, whether it was training day at Astoria Park with Jared Waters and Matthew Albalo was doing that or like, you know, the cupboard was doing shows. So it's like the outdoor stuff. Yeah, outdoor shit. I would I would be I would be doing that or sometimes to try to get up at the pair. Um shit like that. But then when the pandemic hit, it was really just about, yo, content. Let's build up this content. We have a camera. Um, you know, I elevated my camera, I bought a new camera, I got lights, I got a mic, let's really do something. And that's what I did, you know. I didn't want to become stagnant. I didn't want to become not get anything out of that time because like, you know, you don't you don't want to be sitting there. And then now we hear now you come out of it and you don't have anything. You didn't better yourself, you know. So since you kind of started stand up right around the time, like summer after you graduated and yeah, then yeah. the pandemic came shortly after that. When yeah. did you feel like a legitimate stand up comic, though? Like, was it in your content creating days? Yeah, there was like a little bit after that once stand up comedy came. I back? think I think I felt. When it, when it first really validated that I could actually do it is when Chico Bean came to the school. It was a big deal for us. We promoted him, you know, wilding out this and that. And it was a big deal. We had a thousand kids come out to the ballroom and he had me open for him. And I, and I did well. I did pretty good. And probably, How much time did you do on that show? I did, about, I did about 10, I think. Oh, wow. I did about okay. 10. And I did well. And whenever you look back at your content, you say you did well, you, you know, you did shit. <laughs> You're like, yo, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, yo, my dick was out on stage. What the fuck <laughs> the was this? I was down. Yeah. How much time did he do? Uh, he did about like, he probably did an hour. Yeah. He did an hour, but uh, he came in and I remember after he took me off stage, 
he gave me this like it was five minute speech. He was like, "Yo, man, there's a lot of brothers out there who can't do what you just did. You young, you two years in. Everybody clap it up for him, man. He's he did good." And well, he said that on stage. He didn't say it to you. you know, he said it on stage in front of everybody. And then afterwards, we, we take the comic out to eat if they want to. And we went to like uh, this place called Yellow Deli. It's like a really good Amish spot and whatnot. And we were eating. He was like, "Yo, man, like you know, your journey in comedy is not gonna be it's not gonna be easy. Like I had a lot of jobs. I worked I worked insurance and this, this and that. But you got it. You got it." He goes, "I remember you remind me of my my." My little brother, man, from back in uh, Carolina, he reminded me of Jordan Fisher, and I, you know, I felt. Oh yeah, he's yeah. at the stand. Yeah, he's, he's at the stand. He's at the. He's at the cellar. Never. Great, great guy. Yeah. Great guy. And I, I, I remember that. I was like, yo, he thinks like I'm a, I'm a comic that's like official, and um, for him to like take the time and just sit with me and talk with me, um, that was great. That was great. But like th- during that time, it's like you always feel like this is like the biggest step of your career when something like that happens. Like even before then, we had uh, Dave Collier from Full House come. We, we asked like a improv troupe we opened up for him. But like every step of the way, I was like, yo, this is kind of no, nope, I wouldn't be doing this regardless. Like I've never done this before. So this is a new step for me. So, you know, I always felt, felt validated. But like the time that I thought I can actually do it, I was like, yo, that that's the moment. That's that's the moment right there where I felt like, OK, yo, you, you got something. So just like, you know, keep remain, on keep how much how much time do you think you're comfortable with on stage now? If somebody was like, all right, Jared, go up there, do as much time as you please. Uh, I could do 45. Yeah. I so is that going to come to a point where you're starting to tour a little bit? Yeah. Well, we're touring now. Uh, with you and Giannis. You and Giannis. Me and Giannis, we're touring yeah. now as part of Long Days. And it's great to see, like, you know, the, the buildup that we have from the podcast. Totally. And, and people coming out, like, actually wanting to see you. You like, guys are shit. doing a live podcast and then separate stand-up sets? Well, no, no, no. We're just, we're, just stand, we're just doing stand-up. But, like, yeah, we're, we're touring and, you know, the podcast is rendering, you know, the, the fans to come out. And you, you see the process. You see the, you see the build of that. Because um, people are not just coming out for Giannis, they're coming out for me too. You know, like, yo, I love you on the podcast, this, this and that. But it's great to just like see something that you personally built and people come out for you. Um, but yeah, on the road, I'm doing like 2025. Uh, and, you know, I, and how much time is he doing? He's doing, he's doing an hour. Yeah, he's doing an hour or however much he pleases. Right. They call him Yanni Longday for a reason. Oh, yeah. His first special was called Blow the Light, and it's accurate. You know, I didn't see his special, but I had heard high praise from Sebastian Maniscalco, who Dog. never talks well or highly of comics. He Dog. was saying that Giannis had him on the floor. Yeah. And I've seen Giannis at the stand mm-hmm. with 12 people in the crowd, and he would just like start going off on people in the crowd, being like, yo, this kid looks like Dylan Roof. Like, why is he in the crowd right yeah. now? We better be careful of him. Just making people die laughing under all circumstances is when it's not a freaking packed out room. Doug, like, it, truthfully, I'm not just saying this, but he's like one of the best stand-ups that I've ever seen. I've learned so much from him being so He's close, amazing. But like his perspective on his view on, I mean, if you, the guy's like a museum. Like if you go, if, if you talk to Giannis, he's like a little museum. He has history. He has, you know, philosophy. He has like sociology connections, shit like that. Um, but the comedy is like the, the modern art museum part of him. It's fun. It's like, it's poppy. It's this, this and that. But you can understand like the root of it. You can understand where it comes from. Um, and he's just like such a philosophical guy, but like his basics of joke writing and his thought and his casualness on stage and his presence, it's helped me so much. Um, but just to be around him, I think really the best comics to learn from are the New York comics because like they're so casual and there's none of that fake malaise of anything like that there's just like real connections thing you see that with guys like Greer Barnes John Laster or whatever other New York comic that you want to name but like you see it you like yo yo, you're a real dude 
you know, and you're not trying to do something. You are it. You know, you just represent it. You're not trying to become something. Well said. And I think also in New York, you get like kind of a better idea of that because you can see some of the best comedians of your entire life. Yeah. Wednesday at 9 p.m. on a free show in Bushwick. Yeah. You know, so like just like having the opportunity when, you know, I went to L.A. We'll talk about this, but you and I talked about this offline about how you got connected with Josh Peck. Of course. Like when I was in L.A., I was out there for six days and did. I, two spots, you know, so it was like tough. I was still trying to get spots and stuff, yeah. but like some of them just logistically didn't make sense. I was doing a lot of man on the street stuff out there. Mm-hmm. So guys, I was on a flight to LA. I've told you guys about this before. Josh Peck was on the same flight. And like when I saw Josh Peck, I was like, holy shit, this guy, me, 14 year old me is bugging out. Drake and Josh, my favorite show. Josh Peck, massive superstar at that particular time. And now he still does like vlog stuff. He still does podcast stuff, does all entertainment type stuff. And I saw on Jared's profile that he did a sketch with Josh Peck. So how did that come to be? Like, what what was that about? So he, so Josh Peck is a great dude, great dude, New Yorker guy. He lived in the city for until he was 15 and then he peaced out. Um, you know, he never really knew his father, but like he discovered his talents. And then ever since then he was booked it. He's the white LeBron James, basically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, but he's a big fan of long days. Uh, and you know, we, we were talking in this, this and that. And I remember we posted a clip and I'm, I'm you know, I was, uh, I was with my boys. I'm looking at my phone and it says, Oh, Josh Peck just followed you. Like, yeah. Whenever. And I had a show later that night, so I was driving. I wasn't really paying attention. Well, I, I thought it was like a fan phase or some shit. So I come up from doing my spot, and I look at it. So Josh Peck just followed you. Josh Peck just look like one post. Josh Peck DM'd you. I look at the DM. He goes, yo, bro, I just want you to know you're very talented, bro. I love your shit. Keep working. And on the outside, I was like, yeah, that's cool. But on the inside, I was like, yeah. Yeah, because you yeah. must have been a huge Drake and Josh fan, too. Yeah, I was screaming on the inside, dog. And I was so happy it wasn't Drake DMing me. Dude, it was so crazy yeah, how famous like, they were, I man. I like, yo, guy, I'm not 15 years old. Stay away from me. <laughs> the, the Drake back on Drake and Josh is, like, as famous as the Drake is now. It's yeah, crazy. they were talking about him being Peter Parker. And, uh, and like the upcoming, Oh, Drake Bell? Yeah, they were talking. Damn, yeah. what happened then? I, I, I think he got too comfortable with his fan base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right you know, it, yeah. Um, he was on top of the world, that guy. Yeah, he was on top of the world, but he did voice Spider Man in like an animated series. But you could tell, like, you could tell. You look at Tom Holland, you hear his voice, you could be like, "Yo, you guys, you and Drake Bell are kind of similar." Right. But like, yeah, we, he was ramming them for it. But um, yeah. So he DM me. I was like, "Yo, bro, I'm a big fan. Thank you so much. This is that. We had like a little talk, and then um, Giannis was going out to L.A. to do some pods, and we just did Phoenix, and I had some off time, so I said, "Yo, I'll go out to L.A. with you." So we pull up to LA and um, we were doing shows, we were doing podcasts, and I hit up Josh. I was like, yo, I'm in LA for a little bit. If you want to link up, let's do it. And he didn't respond to my DM. But, Did you read it? Yeah, no, he no, he read it. And yeah, he read it. And then oh, he just, with this the guy, yeah, yeah, he he dodged me. <laughs> he, he fucking dodged me. And then when I'm on the plane back home, he goes, yo, bro, I'm sorry I was busy, but the next time you come out here, let's do it. Did you fly but, back the next day? No, no, you know, I, I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't. Uh, I would have. I would have, but they would have had to pay me some money. Yeah, yeah right, Schneider's right. Bakery would have had to send me a check for me to do that. Oh, yeah, dude. That guy's in hot water, too, man. Yeah. He must be shelling out the cash yeah, right now. You can't be around all those kids and have them do exactly what you want them to do without somebody Dude, raising an eyebrow. Crazy. Yeah, he's very scared that Jeanette McCready's going to uh, snitch on him in her new book. That, that new book that she I, got. Yeah. She was, uh, I'm happy my mom died. Yeah, so you, a girl who's anybody that say that, you know, you know yeah, it's not great. You know, and she's, she's holding not, a vase of her ashes. By the way, pop it up. Ted Jones, pop it up. Holding go. a vase of her ashes with her mom's ashes in it. Yeah, anybody that says that, you know they were traumatized when they were young and you know they're white. 
Yeah, man. <laughs> Not great. Not great. Uh, yeah, but um, so yeah, how'd you guys connect? After you so yeah, back so we connected. We, so we went back out to LA. We did, we did Whitney uh, Cummings podcast. How much later was that? Ah, uh, that was probably maybe about yeah four months later. Okay, that we pulled back out and um, we was there. Giannis did. Giannis did the Hollywood Improv with Brendan Schaub. Louis C.K. popped up on that show. It was great. Came up to Giannis, gave him mad props, and Josh was in the crowd. Um, so I was like, yo, bro, the next day, I was like, yo, bro, my bad. I didn't get to meet you. I didn't know you were in the crowd, but let, let's do a sketch. I wrote a sketch up. He's like, yo, bro, I got to go pick up my son. I was like, ah, oh, I'm leaving today. He was like, okay, bro, I'm coming to New York to do my book tour. We'll do it then. So about two months go by. Oh, that's how Julio got involved? Julio, what do you mean? Isn't Julio in that sketch? No, 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 no. It's just me and him. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's just me and Josh. So two months go by. He comes to New York. He does the pod. And afterwards, we shoot the sketch. He goes, yo, bro, I love the sketch, this, this, and that. And it's like everything, like, I, this is my first time, like, really meeting him. I'm like, yo, this guy's, like, a cool dude. Like, he's a regular dude. So we shoot the sketch. We do it. Uh, I drive him to go meet his aunt and have dinner with his aunt in my 2004 Hyundai Sonata. And I'm like, oh, God, Josh Peck is in a passenger seat right now. And he's like, oh, bro, it's cool. Like, I grew up in Manhattan. It's fine. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, push that uh, push that Zoa energy drink to the left of you because I had, like, mad cans on the seat. Where was it in uh, Long Island or his uh, No, it was in Brooklyn. It was, in, Bro- okay. it was in, in Brooklyn. I had to drive him to Manhattan. And he's just telling me about all the stories. Like, yo, bro, I remember these days. Like, this is, like, rugged. You know, this is, like, me, me, me and my boys, like, chilling back in the day, like, going to Queens. So I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. Loved it. Amazing. I was like, yeah, guy. He misses the struggle that he had when he was, what, probably eight years old before Snow Day. You ever seen that movie? Yeah, I remember that day. I remember that day in Max Keebler's uh, big move. I remember that. (laughs) I remember all those movies, bro. Um, But yeah, we did the sketch. I drove him to his aunt's to his aunt's to have dinner. Uh, we did a selfie and after that we did it and like now we're like cool friends like I'm texting him you know day and day he's checking oh, up dude. on him so like that's cool bro and that's all because of comedy yeah when I met him he could have been nicer I just like waited for him as he got off the plane yeah. he came off the plane and I was like dude by the way I do comedy in the city I just saw that you were there doing a podcast yeah and he was a nice enough guy it was cool he's a cool dude man yeah. he's a very cool dude but like I don't. I, I just view it as like that's a connection that I wouldn't had and unless it was for comedy you know obviously and uh, you just got to be very aware of your surroundings because like some people will be like, oh, it's it's luck or, it's, you know, it's like, you know, the luck of the draw. But sometimes you got to be very like aware of like where you're at in the universe you and make like, your own luck. You make your own luck. And like, bro, like I didn't know this in college, my senior year, I had a professor for a class called African Latino Studies in, in, in uh, TV and film. Basically, you study like black people and Latinos and Latinas in, uh, in media and films. And. This professor comes in and everyone's hyping up about it. Like, yo, oh, you know, I heard, heard shit about her, this, this, and that. And I'm like, yo, she seems like a cool lady, cool, you know, middle-aged lady. We chopping it up. And I'm, te- I'm talking to the, the head of my theater department. He goes, did you meet her? I'm like, yeah, she's my professor. What do you mean that I meet her? It's like, you should really talk to her. I was like, why? What's, what's the big deal? And I was like, just, just talk to her. So I'm like, I don't know. These are like close friends telling you to do this? These are close friends and the director of the theater department. So I'm like, why should I talk to her? What, what's Because she's like a, you know, she's like, a, she sits in the corner of the class. She teaches while she's sitting down. She doesn't really see, there's no spark about this lady, you know? Um, so I talked to her and she goes, yeah, you know, she's talking to the class one day and she goes, yeah, you know, I've, I've had a background in comedy. You know, I've written many things, you know, I've been in, the, in a lot of rooms. So, you know, I, I know what I'm talking about, guys. So just, just trust me. So I'm like, okay. So something tells me, yo, Google this lady. 
Let's see what she's she's about. So I put her name in, and I find out that she was a cast member, cast member on SNL for about four years, from 1944 to 1994 to 1998. Her name is Whoa. Ellen Cleghorn, and she was like in it. Like dog, she took off like a week from teaching to go to like the SNL 40th anniversary to go film it or some shit like that. While I was in while I was in class with her, while she was teaching at me Oneonta? at Oneonta, and I don't I don't know why she came to Oneonta, but um. Yeah, it was, it was that, it was that like casual. And I was like, well, I didn't even know that. And I was in a play at the time, Romeo and Juliet. I was Romeo. She came to see that. She Let's came go. to see one of my comedy shows. She was like, yo, you got it. She was like, yo, your voice is so important. I really think that if you make something and with your perspective, you can like really shake up the world. And I was like, wow, I not even know that shit, dog. Um, so like, it's about little things like that, like paying attention, like recognizing the rooms that you're in, recognizing who you're around. Those are the most important things because like a lot of people, they would just like say, ah, it's the luck or, you know, I'm, I'm trying my hardest. But if you really pay attention and try to create something for yourself, then you'll find it. You know, with all of this positive reinforcement that you've had, like up until now, have you ever had somebody say something or do something where you're like, fuck, maybe I'm not as good as all these people are saying. Oh, yeah. You just go to YouTube. And you'll feel that immediately. Dog. The comments is savage. There. Yeah. It's like the same kind of on TikTok, too. Yeah. Actually, you know, I'm starting to see it more and more. So, so, you know, I mean, I guess it's good that you're doing something, you know, yeah. when you get those bad comments. You get those, but you're doing something. But the comments. amount of times that you can get called Jesse Smollett is very thin. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's only about a time till you crack until someone calls you the black Chris <laughs> Stefano. So... Um, yeah, they're they're fucking ruthless, dog. And you you take it to heart, but you have to realize that these people are in their basement in Wyoming and they're living with their mother, and they have nothing else better to do because they already masturbated seven times that day. Yeah. So it's like it, you you have to do your art, but also if you pay for the rain, you got to deal with the mud too. But you don't have to really walk in the mud necessarily, meaning you don't have to look at it, you don't have to pay attention to it. You when know? you open for Chico Bean, were a lot of your classmates like hyping you up? Like, oh yeah, all my city, all my friends were there. Like all my friends were like I was in a fraternity. Like all of them came out. They were mad supportive, um, and it was nice. It was, it was great. It was not, not my friends from back home, but like all my friends from college. Like everyone packed it out. So yeah. Did you have a moment in New York City where you're like, I want to do this the rest of my life? I it was always it was always like that. It was it was never like a moment where well, I but said. Did it start kind of as like a performer and then thinking about acting, doing a little improv no, and yeah, stand up? So I started both of them at the same time. So the Snapchat, I, the Snapchat stories that I did was kind of like my first form of stand up. And I've never done it, but when I got to college, I applied for a theater major. I got the show, and at the same time, I was doing the Laugh Club thing. So that all kind of culminated at the same time. It was like, okay, he's an actor, and then I did my first open mic in college probably in early October. Um, you do at that comedy club in Oneonta? Yeah, there was, we had like a little cafe that we did at that. But like yeah, the comedy club was like an actual uh, club of people. Um, and then we would have meetings in like the Hunt Union or the, the union spot. And we did it at the cafe. It was like, you know, musicians and whatnot, comedians. And I went up and I did 10. And my friend JD, who was like kind of my mentor at the time, he was like, yo, bro, what the fuck was that? I was like, what do you mean? He goes, yo, I didn't know you had all that. Like, dude, you have like, presence charisma jokes weren't really there but you know they, they were they were they were they were present you could see where i was going it's like yo bro that's great like keep it up and ever since then he was like you know he would guide me throughout college even after you graduated we kept in touch so it really the acting and the stand-up kind of started at the same time do you yeah. have a moment that you could put an asterisk on where you're like oh this was a high light of a moment in my career and now i can keep moving forward besides like doing the sketch with josh peck yeah actually. yeah um maybe stand-up moment Stand up, stand up moment. Uh, probably uh, on the road. I think recently, just doing 
It was probably during Giannis's special where it was like uh, Comedy on State, which is a great comedy club. If you're ever where in is that? Uh, Madison, Wisconsin. If you're ever there, bro, pop out. Like it's a great like the the green room is a. It looks like Jeffrey Epstein's Airbnb. Like it's it's, <laughs> it's nice. It's immaculate, dog. Um, they treat you right. <laughs> They're Greek. The owner's Greek, so they got that special connection with Giannis. They own all the restaurants on the street. So literally, they'll give you a whole book in the green room, and it's all the restaurants on the street. You can pick whatever you want. They'll oh, bring it so to cool. you. They'll deliver it to you. But um. Just being there and like uh, being in, it's like a great college town. They'll rock with you. They'll rock, rock with you no matter like what your content is, what your perspective is. Uh, but like before his special, that whole weekend, we were killing it. And it just felt it, like it felt nice to be like in a real established club like that and like have it be kind of special because Giannis was shooting his special. Um, that was a moment where I was like, okay, yeah, this is, this is attainable, especially at my young age of 24. Like not a lot of people can do that, but um, this is something that I want to do. Um, and we just came from Austin because uh, he did Rogan before that. We just came from uh, Austin and being able to meet Joe Rogan and like be in the same room, like, you know, hear the stories that he's talking about coming up and hear all the stories about grizzly bears that he loves to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of cool just to be like, yo, not a lot of people will be in this position otherwise, especially being so young. And Giannis tells me all the time, it's like, yo, you're cutting the line, dog. Like, you're getting a big heads up. So, like, just to be in that room with Rogan and then be able to perform like that on that level at, at uh, Madison, Wisconsin, it was great. It was dope. It's great you're counting your blessings, man. Yeah, bro, you got to. You got to, bro. Like, um, it's very it's very rare that someone can have the ability to do something, but also have the ability to get attention for it, you know. And they're, they're probably killers in the, in the world or in this country or even in the city that you've never heard of that have been killing it for, like, maybe, what, five years? And you'll never hear of them, and they won't get their props until later on in life. You know, Paul Verzi, you know, very funny comic. You see him at the stand. He didn't get his first shot until he was thirty-four. You know, no one really looked at him. So, like, to the ability to be great, sustain that greatness, but also get eyes on it as well, dog. That's that's a that's one in a million. See? What do you see for yourself individually in comedy? Individually, what I what I want, like, I want to tour the world. You know, I, I want to, I want my I want my stand up to be my my strongest aspect. You know. At the end of the day, you know, if everything else stops in my career, I want to be able, you know, wake up next to my wife, raise my kids, do regular errands, do yard work, you know, do shit for the house, whatever I want to do, see family, see friends. But at the end of the night, I want to be able to go to my local comedy club and do a set, you know, and be respected and have these new discoveries and actually have fun with it. Um, But I want to be an actor. You know, I want to TV, movie, theater. I want to write. I want to write my own shit. I want to produce. I want to direct. I don't want any stone un- left unturned. Basically, you know, I, I want to. I want to do everything uh, that I possibly can because you know, you might as well. You know, everything that the entertainment field has to offer. Yeah, it's entertainment, dog. Uh, Steve Harvey is a is a fucking judge now. I'll repeat that again. Steve Harvey is a judge. The man that can't read a card from Miss Universe is a judge. Yeah, crazy. And he started off as a comedian with very big teeth for some reason. If he can do all that shit, we can host a show. We can do all that. Jamie, look at Jamie Foxx. Very talented, I will say. Very talented uh, at acting, singing, impressions, and keeping a hairline. But he's, he's so in, into everything, into every aspect of life. Obviously, Kevin Hart. Bro, like comics, we're kind of like the peanut butter of the, the universe. We can kind of go with anything. Ma- can, malleable. Yeah, we're malleable. You can yes. throw us into anything, we'll be yeah. good. So, like, you know, if it behooves me not to discover everything that I can do and everything that I'm destined to do, you know? So that's what I want to do. When does the move come to New York City where you find an apartment? Because it's pretty difficult for you to get to the city to a bunch of spots, no? Yeah, yeah. No, I, driving's fine. I got to keep up with my car. Okay. Uh, yeah, but you don't, take not, the, you don't take the train ever? You don't mind? No, nah, no. Nah. 
I, I like the, I like the drive. I like I like the you know it makes me feel it's like I'm hustling for you. Okay. It's peaceful. Um, it's peaceful. Driving in and out because you get to review your set. You get to review like, hey, you know that person that was talking to me, that comic, he's got some weird energy. Let me yeah. stay away from him. I'm like, <laughs> you know, and what's his name? Oh, Ted Jones. Okay, you know, so like, um, yeah, right. <laughs> but like that, that that time of reflection is very good. And going out to the island, it's quaint. I don't got to worry about anything. I bring in my my trash can when I throw out my garbage. I don't got to worry about you know someone coming up from behind me and sticking you know chloroform in my neck and kidnapping me. I don't got to worry about all that. It's very quaint. I get to sit down in my living room, review my like my my day, review my life, review my my emotions, you know, and I need that. And I'm still on the grind, you know. The grind comes like I'm very proactive. I make my own shit. I the podcast it, it comes, so I'm never like stagnant, but you need that break, and I think it's very important to take that break and um you know, going out, like just going out with friends, like going out to bars and just like chilling and actually enjoying the people in your life that's very important because if you keep on going you forget to be a person and you forget to have experiences and then if you don't have an experience it's not going to resonate well on the stage so you know living out there just it helps you take it like yo we don't got to go to the city tonight let's just stay home So you have like a good balance you yeah feel? yeah it's a, it's a it's a very good balance you could ask anybody like people know me in the scene it's not like oh who, who's that guy like i don't people discard like long island comics so you you're gonna know who i am um, and I'm going to sustain a certain level of presence and like, you know, an awareness. But, you know, I, I, if the train if the train breaks down, where's it going to go? You know, I got to make sure that there's still coal in, in the in the fire to, to keep that shit running. So, you know, um, that's very important to me. And, you know, that separation from the city and from the hecticness is very important to me. So I think I'm going to stay out there as, where, for as long as I can. Where do you guys record in the city? We go in Brooklyn. Or? OK, yeah, we're in, we're in Brooklyn, at, uh, Bay Ridge. And then that's once a week. Once a week, yeah, yeah. Do you guys kind of have like a limit on time? Do you do guests? How does the yeah, situation so, of the podcast work? So like work? usually, usually if we have to take a week off, we'll just throw up a guest episode. So we'll have guest episodes like locked in. We'll have those stored away uh, if something happens. But usually we, we're, we're a news-based show. So we keep up on the news. You know, we want to, if it's like a breaking story, we want to talk about it. And then if there's something in depth that we want to go into that we couldn't get to on the regular episode, we'll do that on Patreon. And the YouTube and Patreon, for the most part, you just kind of decide what wouldn't be YouTube appropriate for the Patreon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to go. Scripts. You don't want to go wild. I mean, on this recent episode, we had to censor it, uh, and we didn't know what what was, what was the censor for. We got a flag, and we forgot in the episode that Giannis took his flashlight and he started to finger it on on the camera. Oh my god! <laughs> he was doing it. Wait, well, who who edits it? You guys have a producer, uh, Jesse Scatoro. He's the he's the producer. He's the editor of all the ditch films that Giannis did back in the day. So Mauricio or the sketches that he did, um, Jesse Scatoro is the one that that does all that. Um, but yeah, we we had to edit that out because we we got a strike from YouTube and they they rescinded it after we we edited it out. But yeah. We get a little, sometimes we get a little wild. We got to pull it back. But like, you know, it's all about being free. It's all about being comfortable. It's all about having the jokes out there. If the, if the joke, like I said earlier, if the joke is there, we'll say it. there's no restrictions. And that goes on Patreon. You, you know? told me also about uh, an issue you guys had with like CBD oil the other week. Yeah, I think we, it's because we uh, had this thing called dad grass. It's basically like, uh, it's like a, it's basically Reggie, if, if I'm going to say that. But like like low-grade weed that we had, and Delta we said 8. in the ad, it's, oh, it's 18 and over. I think YouTube algorithm heard that, whatever robot they got reviewing it in China. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, let's age restrict this now. So 
that's that's what happened to us. But yeah, man, like you know, it's a, we it's a satirical news show. So like we'll, we'll talk about the news and we make fun of how we make fun of not only the news but how the news delivers the news to you. You know, in that prism, and you know, we kind of just try to talk to the the middle, the people who we I like to call them intellectuals, even though that they're just people with like common sense, common ground, basis, logic of thought. Who are not getting talked to because in this world it's either you're either one thing or the other. You know, you're either the left extreme, you're either the right extreme, you're either like jelly or like peanut butter. Mm-hmm. It's it's not a mix. It's not an amalgamation of anything. No one has a sense of duality. So we talk to those people who are not getting talked to in the middle. And what drives that is the points. What drives that is the shit that like you want to say, but nobody's saying because no one's gonna click on that. No one's gonna gravitate towards that because it's not it's not uh, edgy. It's not a uh, polarizing it's not accurate it's not doesn't aggravate anybody but we just tell you the truth we tell you what most people want to hear and then you know we'll 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 make fun of the news and we'll make fun of ourselves but it's a it's a really dope show and i think it's a necessary show in this time uh, day and age that we have right now you know very cool man so you have anything exciting coming up in september that you care to share yeah we're doing uh we're doing uncle Vinny's september 9th to the 10th in point pleasant new jersey nice uh with uh mike suarez so pull up with that we're doing a Soul Joel September 24th through the 25th in uh, Pottsdown, uh, Pennsylvania. The Dome is new open. Shout out to Joel Richardson. Love you, guy. We're doing that. And yeah, we're going to Austin uh, in November 11th to 12th, right after my birthday. So that's going to be a fun time. Let's go. Think, uh, think of the honest is doing Kill Tony. Hopefully, I can hop up on that too. Absolutely. Uh, Get him so on, yeah. Tony. Yeah. Yeah, we're doing everything. You know, we're making sketches. Uh, you know, shout out my guys, Julio Diaz, Talent Harris. Those are. It's so important to have people like that in your life, man. Like, if anything, if anything, I'm like I'm grateful for everything that's happened, but I'm grateful for my support system because I can't. You you know how it is having as much energy as you do. I mean, God, you you seem like a, you seem like you, you can be an ad salesman for Red Bull. Absolutely, you know, the, the amount of energy that you got. Um, you know how important energy is in this game, and you know how you need to conserve it, and you can't give it out to everybody. And for people who that you genuinely love and like actually get that return back and if you give something you'll get it right back that's so important and my guys uh julio diaz and talent harris julio you know he got introducing on netflix netflix is a joke festival it's on youtube go look them up now and talent obviously you know a, a comedy legacy his father you know being in def jam you know uh apollo and everything like that very funny comic those guys are my actual friends and I have actual love for them. But when we come together and we create, it's like, you know, it, it's we pop it off, you know, and, and it's never hard. It's never it's never taxing. You know, we come together, we think of shit and we just do it. And, you know, we make each other stronger. If if someone if Julio wins, I win. If talent, if talent wins, I win. It's all, you know, it's all interchangeable. It's exchangeable. Um, but the energy's still there. Cause totally, if, man. It's just a vibration. A yeah. Consistent trajectory it's just upwards. a vibration. You know, there's some comics that don't like look at you in your eye, which is very weird for a comic because comics, you know. Yeah. They were like early Aspergers, you know. <laughs> but if the comic looks you in your eye and it's like, yo, this it seems like this motherfucker's trying to suck my energy. It's like, it seems like he's trying to suck all the funny out of me because like they'll look at you and they're like looking through you. They don't even see you. They're just like looking inside of you, like they're trying to take your talents, like uh, in Space Jam where they took the talents from the basketball. Yeah, and that that like that scene, it's like that. Um, but with when you have like close friends, you probably know we have close friends in the game. It's so easy and it makes your job so much easier and it's actually fun to create. And I believe, I truly believe it's those connections that, you know, you, you go to the top with and you become so successful with. So, you know, I'm grateful for them. I'm very grateful for them. Jared, this has been an amazing episode. Thank you so much for opening up with us guys watching and listening. You know that Jared is a very well-spoken man. 
a cool guy. Of yeah. course, check him out on Instagram, bro. What is your Instagram handle? We're going to pop it up right here and let us also know uh, where else we should be checking you out. Harvin 15 Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, right there. You can follow me. Go listen to Long Days. Uh, you can sub- subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Yanni Long Days. We get wild. We get free. Subscribe to the Clips page. Everything, dog. Jared. Thank you so much, my man. guy. Thank you for having guys, me, guys. Absolutely, Jared Harvin. Check out his podcast. Check out what the guy's doing because I imagine in a very short time this guy is going to be worldwide famous. Okay, guys. Thanks yeah. so much for tuning into Ted Jones World Podcast, and we'll see you next time. Peace.